Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Mandy Walker and I'm your host. Selling a piece of jewelry like an engagement ring or wedding set can be a nightmare, but Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to work with you and for you to get the best deal on your piece. And if you're thinking it's not worth the hassle, remember that your diamond engagement ring can be the financial asset that allows you to embrace that fresh start after divorce. Worthy helps you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get a $100 gift card when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Mandy Walker, and I'm your host. For this episode, we're talking about leaving a toxic relationship and what you can do to prepare and to protect yourself. My guest today is Dr. Heidi Brock. Dr. Heidi is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. She's helped hundreds of people rid and heal their toxic relationships and host the podcast, It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Welcome, Dr. Heidi. Thank you for having me. I thought we'd today we'd start for our listeners and talk about when we refer to a toxic relationship, what sort of things are we talking about? I'm thinking it's physical abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, but certainly one size does not fit all. Correct. I I usually like to start by defining the word toxic. When I started this venture in this type of work, I chose the word toxic as a blanket phrase. It was before toxic was everywhere on social media. Toxic is not a diagnosis. So there's not something that you can Google and you're going to find a checklist of this is toxic and this is not. A toxic relationship is basically any relationship in the status that it's in, that's unhealthy for you physically, mentally, or emotionally. And the thing about toxic relationships is you get to decide which relationships in your life are healthy for you and which are not. So so when we label somebody as a toxic person, they might be toxic to me, but they may not be toxic to you. And, And it kind of goes along with the different personalities and the different types of goals people have within relationships that make the relationship toxic. Okay. Thank you for that. I'm thinking like there are some toxic relationships and I think that they can run on, on a spectrum, but at the very far end, they are extremely difficult to leave in a safe way. Mm -hmm. Very. And I know the statistics that for women who are in abusive relationships, it often takes them seven attempts to leave before they leave for good. It took me seven attempts to leave. Okay. Yes. And that and underscores the difficulty in doing that. Yeah. And I, I think that there's a, a misconception from the people who have never experienced that type of relationship because they see us leaving six times or seven times and going back. And it looks like we're not strong enough to leave. And so there's a little bit of groundwork that goes behind some of this to understand it, but there is a lot of emotional abuse within a toxic relationship. And the reason there's emotional abuse is someone who is toxic to you that you have ended up in a relationship with 
which could be, it could be a friendship. It could be a coworker situation. It could be a family dynamic and it could be an intimate, you know, an intimate type relationship. But what happens in these type of relationships and why we fall into them is usually the toxic person in general steps into relationships so that they feel more secure in themselves. They have trouble finding self-security, so they have to place people in their life that will supply them with the things that make them feel secure. And I'm kind of shortening this whole thing, but there are things like the feeling of control, the feeling of power, the feeling of attention. And emotional abuse plays into this because if a toxic person can say or do something to get an emotional reaction, they feel like they're in control of your emotions. So what happens is we start looking to them for how we should feel. They get up in a good mood. They, they're nice that morning. We have a good day. The next morning, they get up in a bad mood. They leave without saying goodbye. We have a bad day. We start continually putting how we feel on what they say and what they do. So the part about leaving and going back, there becomes such an emotional tie to the toxic person, because really we just want to be accepted and we want to be approved of. And so we become very emotionally dependent on them. And we're worried about what they're saying. We're worried about what they're doing because we just want to prove ourselves, you know, good enough and enough. So like an example, if the listeners are listening and, and have tried to leave, this is going to hit very much home. Guilt is an emotion. Okay. None of us like to feel guilty. But when I tried to exit my former relationship, I would hear things like, I can't believe you're breaking up the family. Or, you know, we've spent so much time and we've put so much work into this. I cannot believe that you're giving this up. Okay. The goal there is he's feeling insecure because of the loss of control and power over me, right? But if he can say something that makes me feel guilty, like, I can't believe you're breaking up the family. I immediately feel guilty, whether I have reason to feel guilty or not. And we go, I hate the feeling of guilt. So the fastest way to get rid of this is to do what he wants, because then at least that feeling will go away. So because and because we're so dependent on them for giving us how we're supposed to feel, we we base a lot of stuff on planted emotions. And I think that's kind of the basis of when when, you know people look at us and go, why don't you leave? Well, they don't understand all of that emotional manipulation that has gone on behind the scenes. And also, I think there's maybe a a lack of awareness or understanding about the money aspects too. And especially if you've been in a financially abusive relationship, which might for our listeners look like you get an allowance for how much you can spend each month, or you don't have access to bank accounts, you have a a debit card with a very small amount of money on it, Mm -hmm. that can also significantly just makes it so much harder Mm -hmm. to leave. And I I think about that, the Netflix movie Made Mm -hmm. that was out earlier this year that really, I think, underscores the financial challenges Mm-hmm. leaving when you're not in a, like even a semi-cooperative working together to end the relationship. Right. And, and, you know, the financial abuse, that's a means of control. Yes. Because, because that, that keeps the people that they need close. Um, I remember going through, through my thing, there was, there is never a good time to leave. There is always going to be ex- an excuse or a reason why you should stay. And, and what I realized is 
it, it became much easier for me to just stay in what was familiar than to step into something that I didn't know was going to happen. Because even though it was bad, at least I knew what to expect and at least I knew how to navigate it. So when people start thinking about leaving these situations and they start thinking about, you know, but they go through my cell phone bill. So how am I supposed to get a hold of an attorney or, you know, how am I supposed to get the funds to be able to find an apartment or, you know, get the means to leave and live on my own. And, and what they're looking at is they're looking at this huge ginormous mountain in front of them of all these what ifs and what's going to happen. And, and it gets very overwhelming. So what we tend to do is we go, that's okay. It's not that bad. I know how to function here. I'm just going to stay here. And I was going to ask you if you found that sometimes people discount or minimize the degree of abuse that they're in. I mean, I've had people, well, he doesn't hit me, so therefore it can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I think though, too, being in a toxic relationship is like walking to, into a room that stinks. You know, when you stay in the room, the smell goes away. That doesn't mean the room doesn't stink, but you don't realize how bad it stinks until yeah. you go out to fresh air. So like in my case, I became very used to the treatment. I became very used to the name calling. I became very used to the control. I, be, I got very good at following a list and doing everything I could do to, to stay out of trouble and to avoid conflict. And, and if you're doing that every day and it becomes your life, the room doesn't stink. Right. And then, you know, you tell people what goes on and they look at you like, that's not crazy? normal. And we go, yeah, it is. It happens every day. But what we don't realize is our body desensitizes us to that stuff. So we kind of become numb and we get, we get to a place where we're on autopilot and we just, we are now in survival mode. And on Tuesday, our job is to get through Tuesday. And on Wednesday, our job is to get through Wednesday. And the, all of the things that one time felt odd or not good or hurtful, it's just the same thing every day. So it's not that big a deal. And if you get to the point where you are considering leaving and you start to plan to leave, mm-hmm. is there a danger in discounting those toxic behaviors? So this is a very important point, And I'm so glad you asked this because I was going to have to work this in somehow anyway. Um, we talked about the emotional abuse. Okay. They are seeking an emotional reaction. When you've been in the stinky room, you tend to quit reacting. They call you the same name every day for 15 days by the 16th day. You are not going to get upset. You're not going to cry like you did the first day, right? But they find security in you reacting. So if you don't react to the name calling, they have to think of meaner names. Okay. And then you don't react to that. So then they have to pick up and break something. Okay, pretty soon you're used to your stuff getting broke, so you don't react to that. So then they start blocking doorways or smashing your phone or locking you in a room. It escalates. So, and and that's the misconception because you said it at the beginning of the podcast. Well, he doesn't hit me. And I always have to say, yeah, yet. Yet. Because what people need to understand is when, when you decide to leave this relationship, to you, it was a relationship that you really tried to make a relationship. To them, it's not about the relationship at all. It's about their feeling of self-security because they can control everything. So when you decide to leave, they feel the loss of control, which makes them feel insecure. So so when, when there are going to be changes in the relationship status, we have to be very careful because they're seeking their reaction and they're insecure. So things are going to get bigger and things are going to get louder and things are going to get meaner in order for them to feel in control 
and to get a reaction. So, so I always hesitate when people ask me to talk about an exit plan because there, there is no cookie cutter exit plan when you're leaving a toxic relationship. Right. And, and I do private coaching and I do write exit plans for people and help them through it, but not until I know exactly what type of personality they're dealing with and exactly what the potential is for things to go bad. Maybe, you know, if somebody was thinking of leaving a relationship, then is your first step creating an exit plan? Well, you know what, what I figured out through the years of doing this, people that are in these relationships, they don't wake up all of a sudden 12 years later and go, oh, I think I I might leave, leave, right? (laughs) They have contemplated this many, many, many times. And, And the question on everybody's head is, should I stay or should I go? And, and in reality, one, you are not going to go until you're ready. And, and two, it doesn't matter how many people tell you to leave. You are the only one that can make the decision. And the problem with it is it's not an easy decision. If it was an easy decision, you would have made it 12 years ago, right? So, so what I tend to do with people, if people call me, and they don't have a goal and they just want validation and they want some education on how the toxic personality works so they can better understand it. I always encourage, let's do that. And let's start working on your exit plan. So you feel like you're doing something productive that way, when you're ready to go, you've already got the groundwork done. Right. Right. Again, the people that are listening that are in this situation and have been contemplating leaving you know that person better than anybody. So when I give suggestions on an exit plan, there's going to be some of you out there going, yeah, that is never going to work. Okay, I totally get that because I tried everything and nothing worked. And I I ended up leaving everything, including my kids and basically running away. And I felt like that was my only option at that point. Now I can take somebody who feels like that and I can get them through a safe exit plan without having to leave everything because now I obviously know so much more. But you know, some of the things about getting an exit plan ready is first, don't tell them what you're learning. Don't play them a podcast on toxic people and go, see, this is how I'm feeling. You learn what you need to learn about your situation in secret because that's where you're going to get your power. If you start telling them what you're learning and what you think about the research that you're doing, all of the sudden you're going to be the toxic one and right. things are going to things are going to get a lot tighter around your house. So that's that's the number one thing. And we're going to come back to that, but we're going to take a short break first. Listeners, Heidi was talking about getting an exit plan together. I just want a kind of a PSA announcement here is that if you are thinking of leaving or even if you're in um, a relationship, an abusive relationship, and you need to talk or chat, there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. The number is 1-800-799-7233 or thehotline.org. If you have a computer that you can use safely, you can call, you can chat online or text. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with Dr. Heidi Brock. You're listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, 
And we'll be right back. Do stay tuned for more wisdom and guidance from Dr. Heidi on what you need to do to prepare to leave a toxic relationship. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your rings from dusty relics of hard times to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, partner with Worthy. We're ready when you are. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get an extra $100 to Amazon when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. And in this episode, we're talking about leaving a toxic relationship. What you can do to prepare and what you need to do to protect yourself. My guest today is Dr. Heidi Brock. Dr. Heidi is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. She's helped hundreds of people rid and heal their toxic relationships. And she hosts the podcast, It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. So Heidi, I I completely get what you say about there's just no one cookie cutter approach because, and this is such a complex subject. And that's why I think it really is smart to reach out to a professional organization like your domestic local domestic abuse center and get them the professional resources that will help you pull together your plan. And some of them do offer legal assistance as well. I was wondering if we could talk about some of the practicalities that some of the basics that people should think about. I think you talked about, mentioned earlier about, you know, not being able to call because the person checks your cell phone bill. What are your thoughts about getting a new cell phone in your own name that you can have available and use so that some of those contacts aren't visible to the other party? That's a good idea. In my case, that would have been detrimental to my life if he would have found that. So there's the, and, and, you know, they instill fear too. We're scared of them, but I have, I have a list of a few things that people can start doing right now, whether you've decided if you're staying or going or, or if you don't even know, these are some, some suggestions that regardless of how you end up leaving, these are things you can start doing. And the first thing I always tell people is start getting the paperwork together. And when I talk about paperwork, it's your birth certificates, your marriage certificates, your social security cards, the passports, the kids' immunization cards, get all of those things in your possession because we know you will copy them for a partner. If the partner, the toxic person keeps them, you will never get copies of them. And and I know statistics are not always male and female, but generally mom keeps track of this stuff. So make sure And if you don't dare take the originals, make copies of them yourself before. And keep those copies maybe out of the house. Maybe there's a friend or you keep them at work or somewhere so that they're not going to be found. Yep. Social security cards also. Copies of any financials you can get your hands on. Now, there's there's certain situations where one of the partners sees nothing financially. 
But anything, you know, bank related, retirement related, 401k related, pension related, investment related, if you can get copies of that, make a copy and get it out of the house. If you have a question on should I copy this or not, copy it. You'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. The other thing I suggest is if you do have access to the bank accounts, start logging in every couple of weeks and print off the balance with the date because toxic people want control and they will start moving money the minute they feel that this is going to change. So as long as you have documented every couple of weeks what the balance is, there are professionals out there that can track that. And even like maybe not just the balance, but transactions, because if they start moving money around, it'll have most of the time it has some sort of indicator of where that money went and that can help trace that money. Yep. There is also forensics analysts. They're called divorce forensics analysts that can track stuff. But at least if you have a few sheets that have a balance and a date, they have a place to start. Right. So that's the first thing I suggest get together. The second thing is things that are sentimental to you your grandma's necklace, a painting that your mom did, pictures, baby pictures, baby albums, because they're emotionally abusive, they want to make you feel. So the first thing that's going to disappear or get broke are the things that you are emotionally connected to. So anything that's sentimental to you, try to get it out of the house. Collections, maybe take a piece of a collection at a time and start moving collections out because those will be the first thing that's gone. Maybe do do that kind of slowly so that they don't notice it or yep very secretly or can you and and honestly they're not going to look for them until they're wanting to hurt you with it right so sentimental things is the next thing and then because we don't know exactly how you're going to be able to leave they might be there you might have to wait till they're gone and have friends come in and help you move out so go through each room and make a list of what you want out of that room. Now, remember, we're talking about your safety and your mental health. So so be very generous to them when you're writing stuff down. It's stuff. Stuff can be replaced. So if we're talking that your life may be in danger or there's going to be stalking or harassing, don't worry about the stuff that you don't care about. So make a list. Get those lists in order because you don't know what day it is that you're going to be ready to go. But I promise you, even if you've been thinking about this for 13 years, you are going to wake up one day and you are going to say to yourself, I am not doing this one more day. And if you have this stuff ready to go, there's a lot less confusion because anxiety is very high in situations like this. So if you know you've already got your personals out, you've got some financial stuff out, you've got the sentimental stuff out, All you have to do is exit the house. You're making me think about like um, emergency fire exits. You know, I'm in Colorado. We have wildfires. I have on the back of my door here a list of what to pack when I get that evacuation call because you're exactly right. In that moment of trauma, your brain doesn't think. And it's so much easier just to, to work from a list and say, I need this, go get it. I need this, go get it. Yep. Now, you obviously, yep. wouldn't keep a list on the back of a door, right? In the situation that we're talking about here, and I'm thinking maybe you wouldn't keep it on your computer, and maybe you wouldn't keep it on your phone. But you, you well, you probably keep it wherever you keep this other stuff. Yeah. But the other thing I suggest is having a safety bag. 
Now, this is another thing that we'd, we'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. But what you want is, is we were talking about a go phone that, that you purchase minutes and put it on, have some cash in there, have a debit card in there, have a change of clothes in there, have a, the extra garage door opener, have an extra house key, have the spare key to a car. Because the first thing they're going to go for, if, if you're trying to leave and they don't want you to leave, they're going to go for your purse. It's got your wallet with your money and your credit cards. It's got your car keys in it and it's got your phone in it. So if they can get a hold of your purse, you can't leave the house. If you know that you have a safety bag somewhere that has money, a spare car key, the house keys, a change of clothes and some cash, you can get out somewhere. And usually what I tell people is if you don't, if you don't have an walk through door into your garage, plant the garage door opener somewhere outside. And now in today's day and age, we program the garage door openers into our car visors now. So those original garage door openers are laying somewhere around your house. There was many times that I had to get out of the house and I couldn't. I didn't have keys. I didn't have a phone. I'd go out. All the keys were out of all the cars. So in, in that case, if things get bad like that, leave everything and get out of the house. Right. You know, And I'm talking in in very scary situations that doesn't always happen. But even a lot of my clients that think it won't happen because of the escalation of abuse, it happens. Right. And, and you have to remember too, there's not a lot of reasoning with them. So we, we feel very obligated to tell them we're leaving. Okay. The minute you tell them you're leaving, they feel insecure because of the loss of control. And that's, that's when the escalation starts. Sometimes we, we think that we're obligated to tell them that we're leaving because we're playing by a different rule book. Mm-hmm. And we're playing by a rule book of like civil relationships and having mm-hmm. communications and dialogues. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like to, to remind people is you've got to put that rule book away when mm-hmm. you're dealing with this because you've you, you got to play by his rules, their yeah. rules. Yep. And, and if you think about rules. it, if they're a personality that wants control and wants power and wants attention, the person with them is going to be the kind, caring, loving, giving, supporter, fixer, conflict avoider. So, so we really have the feeling of good communication and I need to be fair. And, and so we, we keep feeling because it's so not like us to just not say a word and then leave when they're at work. Right. Right. But, but at the same time, you already, I already knew. I tried to leave six times and me trying to talk to him didn't work. Me trying to reason with him didn't work. Me trying to explain how he hurt me didn't work. Waited till he worked he went to work and I left. Right. You know, and, and I think the thing too is you don't have to see the whole staircase. A lot of times we feel stuck because, yeah, but what's going to happen next and what's going to happen next? And we will, we try to plan everything out. And, and sometimes that keeps us stuck. You, all you have to see is the first step. And if you can get this far, that's the first step. And once you get to the first step, you'll be able to see the second step. You know, and it, it is that fear of, I don't know what's out there and I don't know what I'm going to do and I don't know how they're going to react and I don't know what's going to happen that we just go, it's okay, I'll just stay here. And again, actually walking somebody through it and I've, I've done it a ton and it's awful on the days that I know somebody's leaving. It puts me emotionally right oh, I back. I believe it. Because yes, and you, I... You're with pacing around and I, you know, um, because I, I remember the feeling and I, I also know how stressed out they are and how scared they are on the days that they leave. I can completely understand that. And I think your clients would be fortunate to have you 
in their corner working with them and watching out for them and helping them think through this. And I, I think too, there's this, I don't know why we think this, but if they have been consistent in the relationship, for some reason, we think that they're going to be nice going through a divorce process and they're going to be a nice co-parent. No, you have to quit expecting them to act like (laughs) they're not going to wake up one morning and be you. We have to expect and anticipate that they're going to continue to be themselves through the entire process. Right. And so I have a little scrolled notes here. This is, you know, it means there isn't going to be mediation. You're not going to mediate this. You're not going to resolve this between the two of you. You are going to involve attorneys Mm -hmm. and it's a marathon. It's not a sprint and it's going to be so important for you to pace yourself. And I totally get leaving things behind and walking away from things. I just want our listeners to make sure that they're making an informed deliberate, intentional choice. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something too, where I think because I've been through it, my clients know that if they make a mistake and they decide not to leave, they don't have to worry about Dr. Heidi being mad or Dr. Heidi being disappointed. And and everyone else in their life that doesn't understand it gets mad and gets disappointed. So whether it's me or not, having someone that gets it, even if it's one person that understands it, is all you need to make the move. But you have to remind yourself that you have to stay focused on the reason that you started. Because of the emotional abuse, we start putting emotions into it and we start going, oh, but maybe it wasn't that bad. Or maybe I can make it eight more years. Or maybe, you know, and we forget all of the bad stuff. You know, and unfortunately, the whole relationship isn't bad, which is why it's so confusing. It's not bad 100% of the time. So when we start questioning ourselves, we remember the good and we forget the bad. So during the leaving process, you have to focus on why you started. And thank you so much, Heidi. That's a great point for us to finish on because we are up on time. So like, just remember where you started. Listeners, I want to give you that hotline number one more time if you need to talk to somebody It's the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 1-800-799-7233 or thehotline.org if you can safely use a computer. You can call, chat online or text. And of course, our guest today is Dr. Heidi Brock. Heidi's a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. We'll have all of her contact information and social media in the show notes. So if you are in this toxic relationship and you're looking for assistance, then you can also reach out to Dr. Heidi and I know that she'd be awesome person for you to work with. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is a selling partner with an online auction platform designed to help you sell your jewelry, such as an engagement ring or wedding set. When you decide to send your ring, Worthy takes care of the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely at our New York office. Once your jewelry arrives, the team at Worthy professionally cleans and photographs it before sending it out to a grading lab. All of these steps are designed to maximize your price in Worthy's online auction, where hundreds of buyers compete for your piece. 
One of the best parts of Selling with Worthy is that you are completely in control. You'll work with Worthy's team to set a reserve price before the auction starts, keeping you in control of how much your ring sells for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we will send your ring back to you and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get an extra $100 to Amazon when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you. So reach out to us at podcastworthy.com to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. We look forward to hearing from you. And you can also find more episodes at worthy.com forward slash podcast.